this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. I highly encourage you to get a Bible today, get a pen, and take some notes because Jesus today is going to change your theology. Jesus is, not me. Jesus is. Once you get a Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6. Now, we talked last week that God himself is a just God. First uh, John 1.9 says that he's faithful and just. And so the Amplified says it this way, that God himself is true to his own nature and his own promises. So when we say that God is a just God, that means that he demands justice. Now, every one of us in this room, at one time or another in our lives, we demand justice. Every one of us. And let me give you some some thoughts about how we do that. When you see someone on TV that was brutally murdered and they were innocent, innocent, and they catch the person that did that, most of us would say this, that person needs to pay. We demand justice. It's like when a child is abused in any way, we'll say about the person who did that, they they need justice. You know, I saw an automobile wreck that took place and a man who was drunk driving over 100 miles an hour hit a a car with four people in it and they were all killed. We demand justice on that. Now, just the lighter side on justice. When I go to Walmart and I get into the express lane, they lied about that. That's not an express lane. They just tell you that. But it's okay for me to go through that line with 22 or 23 items. But when I see someone, when I'm in a hurry, and they have that many items in their bag, I demand justice. I don't like to think anybody's taking advantage of it. So in a roundabout way, every one of us as human beings, we demand justice except when we talk about eternity. What do you mean? Well, how many of you have ever thought this, said this, or heard someone say, that I don't know how a loving God could send anyone to hell. Let me tell you why. Because he's just. And he'll do just exactly as his word says. So look with me, 2 Corinthians 6. And once again, I encourage you today, we're going to get over to what Jesus Let the word of God, let the B-I-B-L-E teach us today. Not our traditions Not religion, just let the Bible soak in you today because you're going to need it, okay? All right, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open to you. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted or restrained by your own affections or your own desires. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open. Now, the Apostle Paul was saying here that he spoke the word to them, but their hearts were cold, their hearts were hard toward him, and they resisted what he said. And actually, he's telling them, some of the words that I spoke to you, they were very direct. They were very harsh. But I did it out of a motive of love, and I wanted you to know the truth. Now, let's look at some of the stuff he goes on to say, starting in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, many times we use that in a a marriage covenant or a marriage union, and it is applicable for that. 
But that isn't the only area. Actually, when Paul talked about this, he's saying don't compromise your union or your commitment with Christ in any way. No way at all. And so he goes on to clarify some of what he's talking about. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness or wickedness? And what communion or fellowship has light with darkness? And what accord or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Now, Belial was a Hebrew word for the devil, and it means wicked or evil. So does Christ have a place with the devil? I don't think so. Does light have a place with darkness? No, none of that. And so he's talking about our commitment to unions. So he goes on to say this. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You are, I am. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk among them. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. So God's telling us, I'll be committed to you. But note in verse 17 what Paul says about my part and your part. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And so when you read this here, it's as if the apostle Paul was telling me and you, there must be a separation from the world. And I don't believe he's telling us to dodge sinners for God so loved the world. He's just telling us that I better to avoid sinful practices. And it's interesting that he would say, be separate. Come out from among them. Now, I believe in a certain way he's saying this. Quit living like the world. Quit imitating the world. You're a born-again believer. You're the temple of God. And if I'm the temple of God, would I do the things that look like the world? I don't think so. Keep reading. Into verse 17, And I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, and what was the promise? That God would dwell among us, that God would receive us, and that God would be a father to us. Beloved, fellow believers, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if every one of us are saved, every one of us are going to go to heaven, then why is there any need for me to cleanse myself of filthiness? Why is there any need for me to live holy before God and live with the fear of God? And I believe in all this passage here, Paul was telling us, don't flirt with the world. And many times as human beings, many times as Christians, our thought is this, what's the matter with a little sin? Long as it's just every now and then. But yet he tells me here, get rid of the filthiness and live holy before God. Now let's go to the book of Luke, chapter number 13. Luke 13. And in this passage, you will begin to see how Jesus views eternity. And this is where you're going to have to take off your religious glasses and look really, really close into Jesus' words. And this is, this is going to twist some of you. It's going to shake some of you up. 
But I believe this is the thing that God wants us to hear today. I really do, with all my heart. Luke 13, begin with me in verse 22. And he, Jesus, went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, and it's interesting he addressed him as Lord. Lord, are there few who are saved? Now he asked the question, are there few who are saved? Actually, this passage is cross-referenced into Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Matthew 7, 14, Jesus himself, he talked about two roads. One was the wide road that many are on. It was the easy road, but it was the road that led to destruction. The other road was a road called the narrow road. It was difficult, it was hard, it was vigorous, but it was the road that led to life. But only a few are on it. And so right here, this young man asked Jesus, are there few who are saved? And Jesus said or respond to him, strive. I highlighted that word in my Bible. Strive. Vigorous. Hard. You know why I think it's a road we must strive to be on? is because you go against the flow of the world. And remember, there's few on it. So Jesus' word says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter, but will not be able. Now that word many right there to me is chilling. Many will attempt or try to get in, but they won't make it. Now the church in America, if you ask people if they're all going to heaven, oh yeah. And the reason I'm dealing with the church of America is because that's where I live. But this is interesting to me, some of the stuff that Jesus tells us in this passage here. So to start out with, he said, there's going to have to be some diligence on your behalf. You're going to have to strive. In other words, it's going to cost you something. Verse 25. And once the master of the house has risen up and he shut the door. You know what that tells me? The door into eternity in heaven is not always going to be open. And he shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside, and you knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord. So we go back to the question that he asked, are few saved? And Jesus said many will try to enter, and when the door's closed, they will begin to come, and they'll knock, and they'll knock, and they'll knock, and they'll knock again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And they'll say to him, Lord, Lord, Lord. In other words, these are ones who thought they were going to go to heaven, but they didn't. Chilling, huh? And it's interesting that he would say, but Lord, Lord. We called you, Lord. We confessed you, Lord. Now look at Jesus' response. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? The Amplified says, what household are you from? Certainly not mine. So it's one thing to know Jesus. It's another thing to know about Jesus. And he gets into that in verse 26. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. So really he's clarifying there that there's going to be a lot of people that knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. 
And those are two, differently, two different things. In 2 Timothy 3.5, the Apostle Paul said this, that we take on a form of godliness, but the power is denied. So I act like a Christian, but the power he's talking about is the power for me to live differently than the world. And so when I say we take on a former Christian, in a roundabout way, you know what Jesus is telling us here? There's a bunch of imposters. Now don't turn me off, okay? Highlight what Jesus said here. These are Jesus' words. Verse 27. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. And where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Now the word iniquity has to do with sin. Evil. And so he says, depart from me, all you who practiced sin. So I go back to what we read there in in 2 Corinthians 6 when the Apostle Paul said, come out from among them and be separate. And then Jesus says, depart from me, you who practice sin. So actually he's getting over to the way me and you live. It comes down to a lifestyle. And so you'll begin to see more and more in this with Jesus that it's more than just confessing me as Lord. So what happens here with sin? Well, I believe this is important for every one of us when it comes to dealing with sin, that I learn to repent of my sin. The first thing with sin is to confess my sin. That means to take ownership of what I did. I don't try to blame somebody else. I take responsibility of it. But a definition of the word repent itself means to do a 180. So when I confess my sin, to do a 180 would be this. To turn. To live differently than how I've lived. Now here's a thought here. The Lord woke me up a few days ago and this is the word He has spoken to my heart. He said, the church that fails to preach against sin will be the church that's marked by sin. So what I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to apologize for preaching on sin. And I don't mean that ugly and I don't mean harsh. Actually, I believe this is the problem with the church in America. We don't want to talk about sin. But if you look at what Jesus has worked here, He's the one who identified it here. He said the reason you're not coming in is because you practice sin. Woo, past is rough, isn't it? No, I think this is truth that we need to hear. Verse 28. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place of eternal punishment and torment. Now, as human beings, every one of us we get pictures in our mind and our thoughts of what's said or what we hear. It's kind of like the the picture of, of Jesus up there. A lot of times in our life, we have pictures or images of how we think Jesus looks in our life just because of what we've seen or what we've been told. But when it comes to hell, it's the same way. You've seen pictures of hell, or maybe someone has said something about hell. Now, years ago, there was a rock band called ACDC. And one of their titles was, I'm on the highway to hell. And they said this, that hell ain't a bad place to be. 
And so when we hear stuff like that, it begins to paint an image on the inside of us that it's not a bad place to be. It's a place we're going to rock and roll all night and party every day. It's a great thought. But when Jesus himself said it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, that does not sound like a place that I want to party at for eternity. And it's, it's amazing how many times in the, in the Gospels that Jesus uses those words, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now look what he goes on to say in verse 28. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom. So he's telling us here, the day is coming where we're going to see the, the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to see the prophets. But what he's getting over here in this is just because you knew Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just because you knew a, a man or a woman of God, just because your grandma was a great, grand, a, a godly person, nobody gets grandfathered in. Nobody. I don't go to heaven because my mom. I don't go to heaven because of anybody, but my commitment to live to Jesus. Now look at the end of verse 28, and this is chilling too. And yourselves thrust out, banished, driven away, thrown out. And every time I read this, there is no hint at all from Jesus that there's going to be a second chance. Remember, once that door closed, he didn't say, now there's going to come another opportunity. It's over. So I don't know about you, I don't, I don't want to base my eternity on what people say. Pastors. That's why I want you to see the Bible today. That's why I want you to take notes today where you'll understand this isn't Pastor Stormer. He's not smart enough to do this. This is Jesus. And I don't want to bank on what other people say. Priests. What Hollywood says. What actors and actresses. I don't want to base my eternity on what ACDC said. On bands. I don't want to base my eternity on what judges are saying right now. That it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that. I better learn to live in Jesus' world. And to do that, i got to take His word for what it says. Verse 29. They, people, will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south. And they'll sit down at the kingdom of God. Once again, it shows me there are going to be a lot of people in heaven. And indeed, there are, are the last who will be first, and the first who will be last. See what he's telling us? There are going to be a lot of surprises in heaven. Because when I get to heaven, it's not going to be about earth, how much money I made, how much power I had. It's not even going to be about my status on earth. But you know, the ones that will be first in heaven are the ones that lived, lived committed to God. They gave God first place in their life. So we take everything that Jesus said and we think about what the Apostle Paul said when we started. Be separate and come out from among them. Now I want you to go to one more passage. Well, two more, maybe. Go to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. I tried to warn you guys, this isn't easy right here. And I understand this. I went home last Sunday after the first Sunday of this. I'm telling you. 
I was in bad shape. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I don't know that I want to talk on this. But I don't know if you've ever had the Lord wake you up in your sleep. And when He wakes you up in your sleep and there's times He rebukes you and He corrects you, you find out real quick, I would rather obey God than I'd rather obey man. And so don't think I celebrate preaching on this. But you know what? I would rather you guys know the truth than a bunch of fluff today, all right? I love people, guys. I'm going to tell you that. Jesus' words may be the most frightening and chilling of all the passages on hell. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who confesses me as Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And some of you say, whoa, that, that knocked me off my feet. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Now look what he goes on to clarify here as he said. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, the one who obeys, is what I begin to see him trying to tell each one of us here. It's a lot about your obedience. And so when you look at verse 21, Jesus is clarifying it's a lot more about your walk than your talk. Am I downplaying salvation? Not at all. I believe this, that salvation is the starting point for every one of us, that I must confess Jesus as Lord, but when I confess Him as Lord, and I didn't say confess Him as Savior, I said confess Him as Lord, that if He's Lord of my life, there's going to be a change in my lifestyle. There's going to be a change in my behaviors. There's going to be a change in your behavior. The, the Bible school I went to, Kenneth Hagin would say this, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. What did he say, Martha? The proof of the pudding's in the eating. Okay? Keep reading, verse 22. Many. Woo, there's that word again. Same word we saw in Luke 13, 24. Many will say to me in that day. What day? The day of judgment. The day that God will settle accounts with every one of us. Many will say in that day. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? They confessed Him as Lord. They laid hands on the sick in His name. They did all those things in His name. In verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Almost frightening and chilling. Listen to what the message says. You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. You're talking about yanking the slack out of me right there to read that. All you did was use my name to make yourself important. In other words, there was an essence of pride in there. Where you got the mentality that people were coming around you because you prayed in my name. And how does he end in verse 23? Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who broke my laws. You who did not obey. 
So I can try to dodge this. I can try to color code it. I can try to camouflage it. But how can I get away from what Jesus just said? See, there's a thing in the church of America called self-deception. And it's this, that there's a mere verbal confession of Lord, but no obedience. So it goes from self-deception to self-deluded. I take on a form of Christian. And in my own life, every time I read, I can't get away with Jesus, from Jesus' words. And so it goes back. Does what I confess out of my mouth, does it line up with Jesus? Do my morals and my values look like the morals and the values that are found in the Bible? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. I knew it would get quiet in this Presbyterian church. You know, I heard this from some men that were in China just, just a week ago. Every time they go to church, they have to go to the underground church. And they understand that if we get caught, there's a chance we're going to die right there. But they said this, the church in America, they seem very deceived. That the church in America is a church that wants to be entertained. A church of America wants everything to be an hour. The Church of America, all it wants is to talk about the blessings. But these men from China said, we don't see that. And it really convicted me that what are we doing in our churches? What are we teaching our children? See, I've got to pay attention to this. Now, early Monday morning, Sunday night, the Lord woke me, and I, I don't remember completely if I was dreaming or He just woke me. And this doesn't happen that often with me, but the Lord showed me this passage of Scripture right here. This very thing I'm taking it to. This is going to put some hope into you. You guys on the praise and worship team, come on back up here. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. What is our confidence in? Gotta be in Jesus. Don't let go with Jesus. Keep your confidence in Jesus. Now, I don't believe that the writer here would have told us about keeping hold of our confidence if this wasn't a possibility. Hold on to your confidence. Verse 36 For you have need of endurance, steadfast perseverance. One translation says the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Now, the church in America, we've had very little difficult circumstances. I've never had a gun pointed at me while I've preached. I've never had someone say that if you speak in the name of Jesus, I'm going to behead you. But in Timothy, the apostle Paul said that perilous days, dangerous times are coming. And you're beginning to see a shift in our own nation. And so he's telling me, you have need of endurance. You have need of courage. That I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That when people talk about Jesus, do you cower down or do you say, I'm a believer, I believe in the name of Jesus. 
Verse 37. For yet a little while, he's coming. They're going to sing about this in a little bit. For just a little while longer and I'll be with you. Just a little while longer. And he says, don't worry. I won't tarry. I won't delay. This is our hope that Jesus is going to come back. And he says in verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If anyone cuts and runs, what do they draw back to? The things of the world. He said, when you cut and run back to the world, I have no pleasure in you. And look how he ends in verse 39. But we are not those who draw back to perdition. We're not those who draw back to destruction. But we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. So what are you telling us, Pastor? I believe this today. Some of you are going to have an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus today. Where you stand before men and say, I'm going to receive Jesus. Number two, if you're here today and you've confessed Jesus as Lord, but you live like the world, you're going to get an opportunity to come down here and repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come back into your life. And He'll receive you, but it takes you doing that. And this is what I really sense right now. Let's not flirt with the world, okay? Let's rise up and say, okay, Lord Jesus, purify me with the blood. Touch my heart today. Why don't you stand up here? Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.